morning and welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Thursday, January 25th, 2024. A leader of a political party in South Sudan says the political party's council is biased. What was the point of reconstitution of the political parties? Reconstitution of the political parties was actually meant to be able to have a level ground, uh, at a ground that is really conducive, that actually brings all the political parties to a competitive set. And an international non-profit says South Sudan could face hunger due to funding gaps. But now with this crisis, we've also seen that, uh, that there's shortage of food supply on the market. They also we've seen that there is also depreciation in the currency, uh, South Sudan currency. And of course, there's hike in prices food. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The leader of the People's Liberal Party urges South Sudan's political parties council to avoid inequalities during the registration process for the December elections. Peter Mayen Majongdid says some political parties could use backdoors to register, but the head of the political parties council vows to give equal opportunities to political parties in the country. For VOA News, Mayang David Mayar reports from Juba. James Akol Zakayo, chairman of the South Sudan Political Parties Council, says political parties in the country should register ahead of South Sudan's first elections. Akol said on Tuesday, 14 political parties that signed the nation's 2018 peace deal have already registered. But Peter Mayan Majungdit, the leader of People's Liberal Party and head of the opposition coalition known as other political parties, says the peace agreement requires all political parties in the country to register. What the law requires is that we all need to re-register and we are not coming at the back doors and when it comes to the regulations of the political parties. We want to see a very, very transparent process without favoring any political parties upon the other. And each and every political party have to meet the requirements. And we do believe that the council should relate here and follow the political parties council rather than any other backdoors or corruptions. The Political Parties Act requires political parties in the country to register 500 members in each of South Sudan's states. Mayen says some political parties are not able to meet the requirement. And those are the political parties that are pushing that the political parties were registered before the agreements. They should be co-opted or they should be observed and declared as a political parties. But the agreement stated very clearly that there should be the reconstitution of the political parties. What was the point of reconstitution of the political parties? Reconstitution of the political parties was actually meant to be able to have a level ground, a, a ground that is really conducive, that actually brings all the political parties to a competitive set. The Political Parties Councils, a call says the Political Parties Act, which was passed in 2012 and amended in 2022, gives registered groups the right to maintain their status as registered political parties in the country. In uh, 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 Article 8, Subsection 6 in the, in the amended act, if you go 
if and if you see the provisions that I've mentioned in the in the order, it states all those points. And we are going to organize all the parties for the election. Election is real and we are going for election. A call says the party registration will continue until June and he advised parties to adhere to regulations stipulated in the Political Parties Act. Josephine Lago is the chairperson of the People's Democratic Movement and head of a coalition known as the South Sudan Opposition Alliance. She says the delay in forming the Political Parties Council has brought confusion. The only problem was that this could not be done earlier because the... Um Political Party Council was not yet reconstituted. We just reconstituted the political parties towards the end of uh, 2023. The uh, implementation of the peace agreement, including the reconstitution of the political party council, took long. It sort of so there has been general delay in the implementation. She says she expects her party will register before the June deadline. South Sudan has just 11 months before holding its first elections in December. For VOA News, I'm Anyang David Mayor in Juba. Still on South Sudan, action against hunger says there is a funding gap for countries in need of food assistance around the world. The group's country director for South Sudan, Suleiman Ken Sese, tells Nebel Biagio that factors causing hunger for millions of people in East Africa includes funds for addressing food insecurity. In South Sudan, the key drivers for hunger and malnutrition are insecurity. Uh, you look at subnational violence, climate shocks, uh, shocks. These are the ones that are really affecting food and nutrition situation. But also you also have now the interest of refugees from Sudan. Is also another factor. As you are aware, Sudan happens to be one of the countries where South Sudan, I mean, neighbors of South Sudan, and this is where also South Sudan was also getting a lot of food stuff. Like, for instance, if you go to the Greater Baragaza State, the Upper Nine, the Unity State, and most of the supplies, uh, food supply, and other commodities were coming out from, uh, were coming from uh, Sudan. But now with this crisis, we've also seen that, uh, that there's shortage of food supplies in the market. But also we've seen that there is also depreciation in the currency, uh, South Sudan currency. And of course, there's hike in prices in foods. So you will see that the person the power of the ordinary people, the average people, now with also the crisis, it, it's very, very tough. Just from the recent uh, snapshot of the assessment that was done, from the IPC report, we have about 9.4 million, which is more than two thirds of the South Sudan population that are in need of humanitarian needs. And now with all with this crisis happening, like I just talked about, hiking price, shortage of food supplies in the market, this plus other factors I talked about earlier on, that really uh, they, they remain the green of food insecurity in South Sudan. And the report you recently uh, released focuses on the funding gap globally, which is 65%, which is staggering. Uh, what is the situation with funding in South Sudan? Last year, we had uh, about, from the humanitarian response plan, what was required to really cater for the 9.4 million we talk about, what was 1.7 billion. It's very sad to say that... Uh, South Sudan was just able to secure about 48% of that funding. And again, in fact, even for us to get to this point, 
it was because of some of the emergency funding that came in to support the Sudan crisis. So out of 1.7 billion, only 48%. And this year from the IPC report and from the humanitarian response plan, what is needed to cater to the need of people in need is 1.8 billion. But we already know that the situation in in South Sudan this year is really good to get worse because we've been told by so many donors, including the USID, that there is going to be, like in South Sudan, USID is going to cut funding like 50%, remember? They are one of the higher donors. Uh, donors like ECHO, uh, the, the CEDA, uh, they are also cutting funding. And this is affecting every other organization. Uh, yesterday, we just, met, we just had a meeting with the, uh, the chair of the Relief and Rehabilitation Commission and the Minister of Humanitarian Affairs. And these are some of the things that we are discussing. As we started, we've seen that uh, the funding situation is going to be worse than uh, last year. And don't forget, the need, the humanitarian need is increasing. And what uh, needs to happen urgently to address this issue? And what is uh, action against hunger uh, doing in South Sudan to address this issue? So, so first, one of, one of the things that we are doing uh, uh, as action against hunger, we've also embarked on a, a lot of uh, advocacy, uh, both at country level and also at, uh, at uh, uh, the, the global stage. We have very strong, uh, um, very, very strong advocacy team. That is one. But also... We also try to see, just like any other organization, we also try to look at prioritization because uh, we still have to respond. The only thing that will happen, we have to, uh, we have redefined our response because uh, the target that we have, we cannot make average. So we are going to look at uh, responding to those that are really in critical need. Again, this decision is not only by us, it's also being directed by the, the various clusters that we have. Remember, our implementation here in South Sudan is being managed by the cluster, the government and the cluster. So we also look at what are the priorities of uh, the cluster. So prioritization, uh, in short, is something that we are going to focus on. But in addition to that also, uh, we don't want to continue doing business as usual. One of the things that we're also planning to do is to try to start working with the communities to be their resilient uh, so that they are also able to stand up to shock. What is happening? We don't see uh, this uh, situation getting better. Like I would say, we always talk about to say South Sudan has become a forgotten crisis. That's Suleiman Ken Sisi, the country director for Action Against Hunger in South Sudan. He was speaking with my colleague Nabil Biagio via telephone line from the capital, Juba, earlier today. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, an attack by the Allied Democratic Forces rebels in Beni, North Kivu, has killed five civilians. That's according to French news agency. The ADF is a Ugandan rebel coalition operating in eastern Congo. For more on the ADF attack... VOS James Buddy spoke with reporter Alkantani Sabiti Jafar in the eastern DRC city of Goma. Locals of Mavivi and neighbor roads north of Beni were attacked by ADF last night. In this attack, five people were being killed, 
many was injured and this morning rescue teams were looking for bodies in streets and in the bush it has been some time now since uh, an attack on Beni. Why do you think the ADF decided now to attack the city? I think the reason why ADF attacked the city of Beni after many times, because the last attack in the city of Beni uh, had been more than one year ago. ADF was operating in the region of Beni, but not inside the city of Beni. But now as Operation Shuja, which is composed by UPDF, Ugandan Army and FRDC, is fighting against ADF in the forest. And now ADF is thinking about to attack the city of Beni as the forest is so dangerful for them. Fortunately for them, it looks that even the city is now protected. And now we can say that ADF is in danger as they are losing a lot of fighters in the forest and they also lost some fighters when attacking Beni. So what's been the reaction of the DRC army, or the authorities in the region? The reaction of DRC armed forces was instantaneously because uh, troops close to the city, as it was in the city of Beni, responded directly on the ADF and they succeeded to neutralize three rebels among those who attacked. And this is the reason why the attack didn't kill a lot of people. You know that when ADF attacked somewhere without protection, they killed dozens of people, but this time they only killed five people. What is not nothing, but it's a few number than what we have to record every time when ADF attack is on. Casualties are receiving medical treatment in hospital in Beni. You know, after a um, terrorist attack, many people must be injured. And some of them had also a mental trauma because they saw people being killed or being injured. And all of them are getting care at Beni Hospital. That's reporter Al-Kantati Sabiti Jafar in the eastern DRC city of Goma speaking with my colleague James Bati earlier today. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from The Voice of America. Coming up, Gabon declares a liberation day. Find out why after the break. You are listening to South Sudan in focus from the Voice of America. Gabon's military rulers say August 30th, the day they seized power from the Omar Bongo family, 65 65 years of rule in a bloodless coup, will henceforth be observed as a Central Africa State's Liberation Day. But opposition and civil society groups say the institution of a day by troops to celebrate troops and several privileges, including salary increases for military and plans to construct houses for the troops, are indications that the junta does not want to leave power, a claim officials deny. Moki Edwin Kinzika reports from the neighboring Cameroon. 
Sous la très haute présidence de son Excellence, le général de brigade Brice Clotaire Oligin Gema, Gabon's Minister of Communication and Media, Laurence Ndong, reads resolutions of an interministerial council meeting. Ndong says military ruler General Brice Clotaire Oligin Gema has instructed the transitional government to institute an annual liberation day on August 30 to celebrate its military. On August 30, 2023, army officers overthrew President Ali Bongo Ondimba and dissolved all state institutions. Ndong said liberation day will be in memory of troops who saved Gabon from dictatorship, poverty and underdevelopment during the 56-year rule of the Bongo family. Ali Bongo came to power in 2009 following the death of his father, Omar, who had led the country since 1967. The Interministerial Council on Monday also announced what the transitional government calls special pay allowances for troops. Some members of Gabon's opposition and civil society groups say the new benefits for the troops may help the military stay in power instead of giving way to civilian rule by 2025 as planned. Clay Marshall Obame is vice president of the Coalition of Republican Citizens of Gabon, which brings together 27 political parties to press for a return to constitutional rule. We for the transition. He says the opposition parties in the coalition met this week and unanimously condemned the transitional government for giving privileges and undue allowances to the military. He says they see the benefits as an effort to gain the support of troops because General Oligi does not want to hand power to civilians by the end of 2025. Obama said the coalition has written to Oligi to warn him of potential chaos should the military continue to receive favors while civilians remain poor and 37% of Gabon youth are unemployed. VOA could not independently verify if Oligi has received a letter of complaint. George Mpabga is the executive president of the Network of Gabon's Free Civil Society Organizations. Via a messaging app from Gabon's capital, Libreville, he said the military government should be more open with the public. Il s'agira également de nous impliquer dans toutes les actions de mobilisation sociale. He says it is surprising that Gabon's military government is excluding civil society groups and the opposition from almost all projects it is initiating when the opposition and civil society groups should be witnesses for the sake of transparency. He says both civilians and troops face hardships and poverty and should be treated equally. Mpaga says it is unethical for the military junta to give favors to government troops when all civilians are asking for their living conditions to be improved. Colonel Ulrich Manfumbi Manfumbi is a minister in Gabon's presidency and a government spokesperson. 
Quand on les a mis à disposition des 8900 postes budgétaires, il n'y a pas que des militaires. Lorsque le chef de... Manfumbi says accusations that General Oligi wants to stay in power are unfounded because troops constitute less than 30% of the close to 10,000 people that have been recruited into the public service since the coup. He says a recent 15% reduction in the price of a 15-kilogram bottle of gas helps all Gabon citizens, not only the military. He adds it is normal to institute a day to celebrate the troops he says saved Gabon. Au niveau de toutes les villes du Gabon. Manfumbi said Oligi has constructed several hundred kilometers of roads, increased electricity and water supply, and reduced the cost of living for every Gabon citizen, not only its military. The military government also says it will build more housing for civilians, not just the military. Moki Edwin Kinzuka, VOA News. Yawundi, Cameroon. From Cameroon, we move to Washington, where protesters angered over the Israeli-Hamas conflict have taken to the streets in the United States, and some have disrupted President Joe Biden's campaign appearances. VOA's White House correspondent Anita Powell looks at how the issue is playing out on the campaign trail. Caroline Presidi contributed to this report from New Hampshire. Patsy Widakwaswara contributed from Washington. Backed by voters who consider immigration the most important issue in the 2024 race, former president and likely Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump won the New Hampshire primary Tuesday. We have millions and millions of people flowing into our country illegally. They come from prisons and they come from mental institutions. The victory is likely to embolden Trump to pressure Republican lawmakers to avoid a compromise on an immigration deal. He said on social media last week that Republicans should not agree to a border deal unless they get everything needed to shut down what he called an invasion by millions of people. The White House and senators from both parties have worked for months to hash out a deal that would provide $106 billion in security aid for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. Republicans insist that it include funding to secure the border and a tightening of immigration rules. Last week, President Joe Biden said he was hopeful the package would pass at least the Senate. Now the question is for the Speaker and the House Republicans. Are they ready to act as well? Immigration activists are pessimistic. Leah Parada, Chief Advocacy Officer of the advocacy group The Immigration Hub via Skype. Congressional Republicans are not willing to put uh, good faith policies on the table that bring it bring into place a humane and orderly processing at the border and maintain asylum. Uh, instead, we're seeing far right Republicans dominate the debate, including former President Trump. The border issue fires up the Republican base and passing a bill that Democrats can claim as a win could hurt Republican messaging in an election year said Norman Orstein, Senior Fellow Emeritus at the American Enterprise Institute via Skype. They don't want to do anything that might benefit Joe Biden and take this issue of the border off the table for the 2024 campaign. As wars in Gaza and Ukraine continue to rage, foreign policy has become more of a concern among Americans this year. An AP North Center poll found 60% of Americans say foreign policy should be a top focus for 2024, up from 41% last year. 
35% cite immigration as a top concern, an increase from 27%. Patsuida Kuswara, VOA News, Washington. As the Israeli Defense Forces continue their operations against Hamas in Gaza, children in the West Bank and East Jerusalem are facing their own security challenges as a result of the conflict-related violence. VOA Cecilia Mendoza reports from East Jerusalem's Arab Beit Hanan neighborhood. Ten-year-old Ode Ahmad Jalin puts on a brave face as family members and friends mourn the death of his younger sister, Rukaya. Otis says he used to play with her and he misses her now. He says he has lost hope. His four-year-old sister was accidentally shot by Israeli forces on January 7 while riding with her mother in the back seat of a chair taxi that was crossing the checkpoint near the village of Bek Iksa. Israeli border police say a car driving behind the girl and her mother did not stop to be inspected, prompting Israeli security forces to shoot at the car and inadvertently hitting the car the girl was riding in. Ahmad Jalin is the young girl's father. He says the family doesn't know why this happened. He says they were surprised by the shooting and that his daughter was, in his words, martyr. Ahmad says he misses her, whom he calls his favorite daughter and his youngest female child. Israeli officials said the incident was under investigation. VOA spoke with Jonathan Criggs, Chief of Communications at UNICEF State of Palestine, about the situation for children in the West Bank. 85 children have been killed in the West Bank in the past 12 weeks, in the past 13 weeks, basically since the 7th of October. That is already the double of the year 2022. Living in fear has become a part of daily life for children like Ode, who sometimes confuse reports of the fighting in Gaza with what is happening in the West Bank. Ode says that if he plays outside, he will die because, according to him, now they are bombing schools, universities, and hospitals. The threat of violence is a reality that Rukaya's father is also having to accept. He says destruction, wars, and killing are the reason many children are deprived of their childhood, including his daughter, the children of Gaza, the children of Janine, and the children of all the Palestinian people, he adds. They are all exposed to gunfire, Jahalin says. It's not just the children, also men, youth, and women. Information to which children are exposed daily. Sujud Hamid is an elementary school teacher in Arab East Jerusalem on the border with the West Bank. They know, they know, they know, they tell us uh, every day how we can learn every day and how we can live normally. And we see, we see other children in Gaza, they, uh, children, uh, they die every day in horrible ways. So it's so, so hard for them. UNICEF's Jonathan Craigs. This is why we are calling all parties to uh, basically restrain uh, 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 and, and do everything possible to diminish this um, conflict-related violence. Violence in which children are the most vulnerable.
Celia Mendoza, VOA News, East Jerusalem. Stop la stop la stop la That's all we prepared for you this Thursday, January 25th, 2024. We now leave you with Fali Pupa and the song Stop la Guerre, which means stop the war. Listening to Fali Pupa and the song Stop Al I'm your host, John Tanza, on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. On behalf of our producer, Kwame Ofori, and engineer, Bill Bass, we wish you a lovely evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.